Here's what's coming up on today's show. Taxes, huge component. You want to take a look at not only what your tax liability is, but you also want to calculate what that could be over your entire retirement. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he can be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. Glad to have you back inside the Retirement Power Play podcast. I'm Ben George. He's Tim Dyer, Dyer Wealth mm-hmm. Management there in San Diego. Tim, you got any big fears? <laughs> Well, I'll just say my wife when she gets angry. <laughs> uh, uh, you can. I don't know if she listens or not. But. No, no, no. Um, well, when it comes to financial fears, everybody has kind of a movie in their head about how they think their life, uh, they want it to play out, you know, mm-hmm. with, with big goals and aspirations and dreams and experiences and whatnot. And I think the the biggest financial fear would be not even missing out on some of those experiences that you wanted to have during life uh, because you didn't have enough money, I would say it would be the opposite. It would be not experiencing some of those things because you had the money or when you did have the money but but didn't take action, right? So that would probably be my biggest fear, you know, not not experiencing the things that I wanted to do when I could because I was just being too maybe conservative or playing life a little too safe. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that for sure. But I ask you because I saw recently there was this poll out uh, uh-huh. that, that asked people what their biggest financial fear was, kind of to your point. There were six answers that came up that they kind of listed in order. And I want to get your thoughts on these because mm-hmm. I think these are probably pretty common for a lot of people. And I'm kind of curious how you feel people should address these if this is one of their biggest fears. So, Sure. Uh, first one that I saw, and this makes sense, is I think everybody would say, hey, what's the, probably the number one biggest fear in retirement is running out of money. Yeah, like hard stop. That's, that's you take all the others combined, and that is sort of the one that, you know, is always at the top. Um, and it makes sense. And you know why? Because we're not trained at any point, really, to, on how to do this, right? Uh, taking it a step further, I mean, one of the biggest challenges I see people that are, you know, approaching or have just recently transitioned into retirement is that they haven't given themselves permission to spend their money. They've been accumulating for 20, 30, sometimes 40 years, just putting money away, putting money away, making sacrifices along the way. And now here they're supposed to just turn that switch from accumulation uh, to distribution, and it's very difficult. Um, so th- there's a lot of things that go into making sure that you don't run out of money. I, I, you know, we've talked about these in some other episodes, but um, a couple of those are longevity, right? The longer that we live, the more time there is for negative financial things to happen, right? Uh, whether that's... Yeah terrible markets, uh, runaway inflation, you know, all these different things. Um, so I think taking a, a good look at maybe health, your health, uh, your family's health, uh, the um, genetics of your family, that type of thing, um, and having sort of a realistic idea. Um, I, I, on kind of a, a separate tangent to that, you know, I've got the young boys, and 
somebody told me about this book, uh, 18 Summers. Uh, I don't remember if that's the exact name of the book, but it's just fascinating. You think about it. You got 18. I got two boys. You got 18 summers with these guys, and they go quick. You know, I already got four down with the older one and two with the younger. Um, so, you know, same thing with retirement is you, you sort of have to think of it like, okay, there's this window. What do we want to get done in this window? There's different phases. There's the go-go phase at the beginning of retirement. We want to check all the boxes and bucket lists. Then there's a slow-go phase where, you know, maybe things are a little closer to home. And then there's a no-go phase where, you know, health is, is primarily taken over, um, you know, our decision-making. So I, I can see running out of money before we die is one of the biggest financial fears. Uh, it, it isn't necessarily that difficult um, to solve. When, you know, when working with a financial professional, they can add a lot of value in this area, especially those that are trained specifically for this. Um, we've talked in, you know, in the past too, there are a lot of advisors that are really good at helping you grow your money, which is a good thing, but they don't know how to change it over. You know, they say, well, as long as it's growing enough you know, to stay ahead of what you take out, but to make sure that you don't run out of money, you got to have a really clear idea of what that income looks like um, yeah. in retirement. So, you know, big rabbit hole, we can go down there, but uh, definitely uh, everybody, whether you feel it a little bit or a lot, uh, it's something that everybody fears um, and can be addressed in a lot of cases. We talked about the different factors that come along with longevity. The longer you live, the more things pop up, right? Well, mm -hmm. you know, one of those things is nursing home care. You know, the longer you live, the more likely you're going to need that at some point, right? And I think, you know, number two on the list is, you know, the just blowing your nest egg, having to afford this. But for people with those fears, though, Tim, there is a way that you can plan, right? So that if you do need nursing home care, it's not just going to blow and, and ruin your entire retirement. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily just mean, you know, people are thinking, well, does that mean long-term care insurance, which, you know, maybe has a negative connotation out there. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, number two, I'm actually glad to see that there because this is one of the the fears or complexities in retirement that people don't think about. Um, and it's almost a certainty, you know, I got to be careful how we say that, but I mean, we all know the, there's, there's an end to, to all of this for each of us. Um, and those last few years are usually really expensive and somebody has to pay for that. You might've worked your entire life, done all the right things, you know, grew your assets and nest egg, you know, even enjoyed it in retirement. And then all of a sudden, uh, an, an unforeseen major medical expense just drains it all. Right. There's no legacy. There's nothing for spouse or kids. And then along with all the emotional things that go with that. So, um, you know, I, I guess that's a that's a way of saying instead of that being just the biggest fear, that should also be one of the, the bigger items to just get addressed and solved in some way you know, through your retirement planning. All right. Let's shift gears. Taxes. I think we're a lot of us are afraid of taxes and and what might be coming in retirement. But, you know, the biggest fear on this list is that you're going to end up paying more in taxes than you have to. Yeah, my good friend Steve Jarvis always says, you know, you got to, you want to pay your fair share, but don't leave the tip when it comes to the IRS, <laughs> you know. I like that. Um, so, yeah, again, kind of with the, with the last one we just talked about, I think paying more in taxes than we have to pay, that should be a higher priority because, again, it, people don't really figure – they don't really think about the fact that a couple that retires at 65 and, you know, might have a 20 or 30 year time horizon there, the taxes over that time frame are in the hundreds of thousands and in a lot of cases over a million dollars, right? 
And if, if you make some decisions now, um, proactively, like how much of that tax bite can be avoided, right? And, and even if it's, you know, 10, 15, 20%, uh, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, what could you do with an extra $200,000 in retirement, right? And that's not just wealthy. I mean, that's, that's people with just regular um, income and retirement accounts. <laughs> I say regular, but you, know, it, <laughs> you don't have to have $5 million in an IRA for right. this to be a legitimate expense. Taxes will be your biggest expense. After the mortgage is paid off, you're still paying property taxes. You know, and then there's income taxes potentially on your Social Security. There's taxes on your required minimum distributions or just your regular distributions from your retirement account. So uh, taxes, huge component. Uh, you want to take a look at not only what your tax liability is, but you also want to calculate what that could be over your entire retirement and then figure out that number, how to, you know, working with a professional that's knowledgeable in this area because uh, there's a lot of intricacies, if you will. Uh, but yeah, that's an important one. Glad to see that one in the top three. Well, number four, I'm curious if this is one that you see often, and that's just not having anything left to pass on to the kid. Do people worry about not planning their state properly and, and running out of money to, to leave onto their, their children or grandchildren? Yeah, I think the conventional wisdom, one of those things is, um, look, it, it goes without saying, you know, love their children and, and family and all those things. But I think what I hear the most is, look, we worked hard for this. We've provided for our children, you know, got them through school and maybe helped out with wedding costs and things like that. We're going to spend this money down our retirements and the kids get what's left, you know, and that's fine. Um, and if there's a house or property, you know, that, that could still be a lot of money. The thing to think about is that there's a way to actually designate a, a fixed amount. I'll just use a you know, simple number. Let's say you wanted to leave $100,000 to each kid. You could, you could do a couple of things. You could purchase life insurance, which you know, leaves a $100,000 benefit to the kids. You know they're covered, and then you can, you can spend that money down, that retirement money that you have down, sort of guilt-free. Again, I just kind of picked a number out of a hat, but... So I th one of the things I like to just show my clients is like, you can determine what you're going to leave and then spend guilt-free, and then there still may be money left over, and in a lot of cases there is, which just leads to even more of the legacy. But going back to those earlier points, running out of money, you know, uh, health cares late or even early in retirement, and taxes, those are three things that they're levers that you can control which ultimately will leave you with good planning, with more money to leave as a legacy. Um, I want to do some sort of big picture thought here. Uh, one of my mentors, okay. Nick Murray, he, you know, he used to talk about generational planning. And I thought, you know, okay, I get it. You know, the money transfers down from the grandparents, parents, grandkids. You know, how far does that go? And studies show that after usually, you know, two generations, that, money, that wealth has been wiped out. But... What's interesting is if you really think about it, let's just say, you know, starting the grandparents, grandparents started a company, they've accumulated some wealth, maybe some real estate, something like that. They were smart stewards of it. They prepared for the leg their legacy and their children inherited a good chunk of that wealth the right way without paying too much in taxes, right? 
Now that wealth is growing and compounding. And the, 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 the monster, if you will, is actually getting bigger um, while the, you know, the, uh, the money coming out of it is percentage-wise staying the same, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which could be you know, a growing amount. And the final part of that is, you know, what if that legacy that started the grandparents and effectively transferred down to the parents and effectively transferred down to the grandkids, you know, allowed those kids to go to a top-tier school and a top-tier medical school or grad school, and then that particular grandchild went on to discover or solve, you know, cure a part of cancer or something like that. It all started with that generosity and that planning at the top, right? We don't really mm-hmm. think about that stuff, but it's it, or or how that affects those next generations. But it's really, you know, a, a powerful thing to think about what that generational wealth really unlocks, right, in the right. future generations. So I got you know, hey, that's uh, kind of a tangent there, but that that's all part of planning and uh, leaving money responsibly. Um, you know, to those next generations. Yeah, it can be so powerful. All right, a couple more on this list. Uh, this is almost like the opposite of what you talked about is your your fear, Tim, when you're saying playing is safe and missing mm-hmm. out on things. But the other end of that is that, you know, maybe you don't have enough saved or you're too aggressive with your spending. You don't have a plan in retirement where you're you're forced to reduce the quality of your life and miss out on those things in retirement that you'd hope for. Yeah. So I think one of the first things that comes to mind is maybe downsizing the house, right? And in some cases, that's a welcomed uh, event. House is big, kids are in it, they've all flown the nest, you know, maybe a a house that's more manageable um, isn't necessarily a sacrifice. It might be lower cost to do that, um, you, you know, downsizing, if you will. But the other thing is, you know, spending. Now, these things don't come out of left field, right? It's not like, it's sort of like running out of gas, right? It, you don't just go from full to empty. You, you, yeah. you go to ha- three quarters, to half, to a quarter. So as you're getting closer and closer to retirement, like you're seeing that tank in the, in the event of tank, we're talking about the, the nest egg, right? The nest egg isn't going to be big enough to create that income. So the, again, the point is this doesn't happen overnight when people need to re, you know, reduce uh, their lifestyle. Um, in some cases, people have planned for that in advance, which maybe is helpful. But yeah, nobody wants to take a step back. So having an idea of what your budget is, you know, now and potentially in the future, maybe when mortgages are paid off and kids get off the family payroll, you don't necessarily need as much money as people think. You know, for example, if you made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars as a married couple, your take home just napkin math, maybe it's half of that, right? So $75,000, what's that come out to? Like just under $7,000 per month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, 6500 So, you know, on $150,000, you're really spending $75,000. You don't need to replace $150,000. You really need to replace, you know, what you're spending, assuming that your budget is underneath that. But, um, hey, look, nobody wants to reduce the quality of your lifestyle. So the sooner you plan... Uh, and just get your arms around what it costs or what it might cost for you to live the lifestyle that you want, the better chance is that you don't have to cut back and and even more so, maybe live it up a little more. Hmm. Uh, last one here on the list, Tim, is one that uh, I, I can understand if people are worried about 
working with an advisor because they just don't know who to look for or what qualities to, to be on the lookout for. And maybe they just feel like, hey, I don't know if I can find someone that has my best interests in mind. So that's a fear I have with my money. Yeah. So uh, that really boils down to trust. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. When you think of the financial services industry is such a big you know, industry that there's a lot of different uh, you know, players. There's insurance, there's planning, there's investments. Um, there's advisors that charge commission for sales. There's advisors that charge advice or one-time planning. So I understand that it is, it can be very confusing and overwhelming for people, um, to kind of figure this out. But, you know, if we just zoom back a little bit and think about it, typically at a certain point for somebody managing their entire investments on their own, Either, either from lack of interest, lack of time, or lack of desire to become a, you know, their own financial professional. Um, those are reasons people, you know, reach out for help. Now, trust is earned over time, and so I, when I when I talk about this with clients, you know, you want to meet with a few people. You want to ask them the questions that are on your mind, and and you want to trust your gut, right? Um, if your friend referred you to somebody and, you know, um, you just don't get a good feeling, that's okay. Um, you can move on to another advisor or, you know, another situation. I will say this, the majority of the advisors, I've been doing this a long time, um, you know, they have their, their client's best interest in heart. Now, there's a, you know, another level, what we call the fiduciary standard, where a certain um, type of advisor like we are here at Dire Wealth Management, we're operating as a fiduciary and there's a legal obligation um, to put the client's interests first. I think that matters, but I definitely know that matters. But I think that situation comes up because as a, you know independent wealth manager or advisor, we're working for the client, right? It's just us shoulder to shoulder looking out at you know, what their challenges are, what their options are, and helping them design and make decisions together, right? So, um, and all the costs and things like that just get dis disclosed, and then we make an educated decision. In another, you know, this kind of takes us to the other um, type of advisor, which is a registered rep, maybe somebody that works at a large firm, that type of thing. Um, they're working for a company which has you know sales goals, revenues, targets, things like that on the left hand, and on the right hand they're working with their client to you know meet their needs and challenges, and and sometimes that scale isn't always even, um, and so you know you wanna you wanna kind of look into that and ask questions. You know if you're getting a call on the 29th of the month every month or the 30th, and oh, I've got this great idea. <laughs> That's probably somebody that doesn't have your best interest in heart. They're probably just looking to, you know, receive a commission uh, at the end of the month. But you, you'll know pretty quickly who's doing things and working for the client and with them instead of, you know, serving two masters. So that's kind of what I have to say about that. I will add this. When we talk about, you know, best interests and things that advisors do, we've talked about, you know, this sort of iceberg. People have seen maybe that graphic before where yeah. you can see the top of the iceberg is above the water, you know, and it looks pretty big, but then you look underwater and it's just massive. Yeah. Okay. Really good financial advisors, experienced financial advisors. There's a lot that goes into this. It's not just, Hey, investment a over investment B or, 
you know, maybe the cost of investments. That stuff's all important, but that stuff is kind of table stakes. When you get down and you look at legacy planning, you look at income planning, you know, risk, um, you know, all these other things, taxes that go into that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that an advisor can bring to the table. So, you know, I encourage people to to talk to one or talk to a few of them um, and start to get an idea of what kind of services they offer, what kind of experience they've had, um, and, you know, what it, what they charge for that service offering. And, um, you know, that, that's one way, and you, you sort of build trust up over time. Um, so that's what I got to say about that. No need to be afraid. Advisors don't bite. We're here to help. Well, if you have questions for Tim, uh, first place to start, retirementpowerplaypodcast.com. You'll find all of our episodes there. We've got a lot of great content and conversation on the podcast already. You might find a specific topic you're interested in. Uh, while you're there, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen as well. You can also log on, direwm.com is the website and the phone number as well, 858-459-3937. All right, Tim, we'll get out of here. Uh, I know we're all kind of fearful and emotional about our money, but hopefully this kind of grounds us a little bit. Stay happy, people. Nothing to fear. Absolutely. All right, Tim, take care. Have a good week. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dire Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dire Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dire Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.